0: what jesus experienced in the garden of gethsemane is beyond our ability to fully comprehend the physical and emotional distress is really more than we can understand but the model he gives you is very clear When you come before the Lord in times of anxiety, uncertainty, and confusion, your foremost desire should always be for His will to be done. This is a very important lesson for every believer. Stephen called it, Drinking the Cup of God's Wrath.
1: Now, as we set sail today on our wisdom journey, we're traveling back up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. You might remember the word Gethsemane means oil press, and like an oil press squeezing out the last drops from those olives, so we're going to see the pressure upon Jesus. It's going to be incredibly, eternally significant and quite painful as well. Now, the Gospels of Matthew and Mark record exactly what Jesus prayed there in the garden, and I want to point out two aspects of this rather agonizing prayer session that we're shown here between Jesus and his Father. The first aspect I want you to notice is the Lord's surrender. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Jesus prays, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then verse 42, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Now, twice, Jesus says, My father. So through all of this lonely experience, Jesus, the man, never loses the sense of his trust and dependence upon God the Father and he continues to address him by by this rather precious title my father. This is a tremendous example for us by the way. Jesus never asked where are you or he never stated you evidently don't love me anymore. You know, we tend to draw those wrong conclusions from our gethsemanes. We we kind of assume that pain and suffering are evidences that God is is either absent or or present and doesn't care. About us, You know, a mark of Christ-like maturity is, is being able to pray in your Garden of Gethsemane experience with the same confidence of my Father. I know you're mine. I know I can still trust you. I know you haven't left me alone. Now, there's a second aspect of this prayer, and we'll call it the Lord's honest struggle. Again, here in verse 39, Jesus prays, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Compare that with verse 42 again. My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Now, what exactly is this cup that's causing the Lord so much agony in his soul? Well, the Bible uses the imagery of a cup often in the Old Testament to refer to the wrath of God. For example, the psalmist writes in Psalm 75, But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. So the wrath of God against the sin of the world is, is what Jesus means here when he talks about that cup. Now, as fully man, Jesus is certainly dreading the terrible physical suffering the cross is going to, to bring him. But let me tell you, uh, that suffering isn't, isn't anything really compared to experiencing the righteous uh, wrath of God the Father that's going to be poured out on him – as he bears the sins of the world in his body, it 'll be necessary as he bears the sins in his body first uh, peter two twenty four tells us that God the Father will have to turn away from him you 're going to have the severing uh, of intimacy there in the godhead no the trinity isn't isn 't going to split. For a, for any really for a second, it's 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 not going to be reduced to something less than the triune God. But for those few hours on the cross, fellowship will be lost between God the Son and God the Spirit and God the Father. And, and the Son of God knows that he's going to experience the wrath of God on our behalf. And since he's a man, well, he can suffer that full penalty. He'll feel it every aspect of it, which includes death. Why? Well, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. So God can't die, but when God the Son became a man, well, now he can die. But because he is also God, he can pay for the sins of the whole world, for John 2 and verse 2, in a matter of hours. He, he can pay an eternity of debt for you and me. Now, if if there's any way possible, Jesus wants to avoid the unimaginable agony that's set before him. But I want you to get this here. His greater concern is fulfilling the will of his Father. So, beloved, when you are praying in your own Garden of Gethsemane, when you are surrounded by sorrow, uh, you're going to be tempted to try to conform your Father's will to your will, to try to convince him to see things your way. Well, what a blessing here to see the model of our Lord who surrendered his will to his Father's will. Now, in summarizing the model that Jesus gives us here in the garden, three words have come to my mind. The first word is realize. Realize that Gethsemane's are experiences every believer will go through. In fact, in his second letter to Timothy, the apostle Paul wrote in chapter 3 and verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. They will suffer in some way, shape, or form. Suffering is a part of every believer's life, simply by virtue of living in this world. But on top of that, believers who seek to live godly lives, that's what Paul's talking about, well, you're guaranteed persecution. There's no, there, there's no way to avoid some kind of pain or rejection or suffering or persecution. But then the Apostle Peter adds, well, what I'd call good news for us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So we need to realize that our Gethsemanes are inevitable, but they're temporary. And they, in the end, strengthen our faith establish us in our walk with Christ. The second word that comes to mind is the word remember. Remember that a close walk with Christ does not lead you away from Gethsemane. It takes you right into it. Walking with God doesn't erase uh, the potential of difficulty or suffering. Fellowship with the Father doesn't help you avoid sorrow. It helps you walk through it, In fact, staying close to Christ in the middle of a crisis has a way of transforming that garden of Gethsemane into a classroom where some of the deepest lessons can be learned. Now, realize, remember, and then I want to give you one more key word, recognize. Recognize that when you're agonizing in the garden, close friends, well, they can be reassuring, but they can't serve as replacements for your heavenly Father. In fact, just look at the Lord's closest disciples here, Peter, James, and John. The Lord invited them to join him in the garden. Uh, these are his closest friends on earth. And here's what we read in Matthew chapter 26, and verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, that encouragement apparently wasn't sufficient. Verse 43, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, if you back up into the text, you remember he asked his friends to to pray with them and certainly pray for him? Two times he, he urges them to stay awake, and both times he goes over and they're fast asleep. But listen, beloved, when you're experiencing a trip to Gethsemane, No one, uh, not your husband, your wife, your father, your mother, your children, your friends, your associates. uh, Nobody's going to be able to completely understand what you're going through. Only one person will, Jesus. And Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. And he knows what it's like, and he understands. So here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is looking ahead he sees all of the agony of the cup that he's going to have to drink dry on our behalf. And, and he concludes his time here by saying this amazing phrase, Father, your will be done. And from this moment forward, beloved, there is no sound, there's no sense of, of hesitation. Jesus walks forward, and he shows us all how to walk through Gethsemane as well. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called Drinking the Cup of God's Wrath. Do you know someone who could benefit from hearing this lesson or from following along on this wisdom journey? Please encourage others to join you in listening. If you'd like to share today's lesson, it's posted on our website. Visit wisdomonline.org. Each weekday, we update the homepage of our website with that day's lesson. You can follow this wisdom journey or Stephen's other daily program called Wisdom for the Heart. That website, again, is wisdomonline.org. It's a great resource to help you grow in your faith. And it's also easy for you to share these lessons and content with others. Please do that. We'd enjoy hearing from you. It would bring us great joy to learn how God's using the wisdom journey to help you grow in your faith. Our email address is info at wisdomonline.org. If you prefer, our mailing address is Wisdom International, P.O. Box 37297, Raleigh, North Carolina, 27627. Contact us today, then join us back here next time to continue along this wisdom journey.